This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Dishonomics Podcast. Shout out to those who listened to last week's episode, me and my boy, Dr. Lee. We spoke on the vaccine. We spoke on the help of vitamin D, what's going on with all these different variants, life as a GP in this pandemic. And also he answered a lot of your questions regarding the pandemic and things like that, especially questions regarding news about fertility and if we have tested positive, are we somewhat vaccinated to a certain degree? So make sure you check that episode out. A lot of great information. Again, shout out to my boy, Dr. Lee. Important, important, important. Make sure you subscribe to me on YouTube. So that's youtube.com forward slash Dysonomics or just search Dysonomics on YouTube every Monday. So likely by the time you're hearing this, if you're not one of the early people in the early hours of, the, of Monday morning, on my YouTube, there will be a the second episode of my weekly news show. So every week, in under 10 minutes, I know I said five in the first video, that was cat. In under 10 minutes, or well, I'll try to in under 10 minutes, provide to you a quick update with some of the main news points over the previous seven days. So that way you don't always have to trawl through the newspapers and all that type of stuff. You could get it in YouTube from your boy, Dysonomics, aka me. And also if you want to see more content along those lines, of a higher of, in terms of more visuals, more specific content, make sure you jump on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dysonomics or just search Dysonomics on the Patreon app. Last week I had my guy, David Bell, speaking regarding GameStop and AMC. And you're going to see more of that. Try to get a weekly or bi-weekly market talk with David and a lot of cool stuff coming this week. So make sure you jump on the Patreon and big shout out to the people who've jumped on the Patreon over the last few days. Now, this week's episode is a bit left-filled. In seven days, it will be Valentine's Day. That comes every year. And as a wise person once said, Valentine's is coming. Where is your boyfriend? So instead of doing a typical, well, I've done it a few times, spoke of the economics of Valentine's Day and all that type of stuff, like how much money is spent on a day, what people tend to do, how it differs from country to country, from different demographics. This week, I thought it would be cool to look at something adjacent to Valentine's Day, and that is the world of dating apps. Dating apps, we've seen a lot of change in the way we interact with one another from a romantic sense. So I thought it'd be cool to look at the economics of dating apps. So that will be this week's episode. Again, don't forget to subscribe to YouTube, youtube.com forward slash and again, Patreon, 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 Patreon. Jump on that. 
for that lit content. But yeah, this week's episode, economics of dating apps. Bow. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. Because it's lit. It's lit. Hello, hello, people. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Seeing snow out there on these London streets, so stay safe. And and of course, we're still in a pandemic, so I hope everybody's staying safe and everybody's blessed. This week's episode, I'm going to be talking to you on my own about the economics of dating apps. Very, very interesting. Me personally, I have never been on a dating app. I don't think I ever will. I have no intention to. It's not really my thing. But I know plenty of people who have, and it's just a quite interesting experience speaking to them and on how they navigate these apps, how they work, and etc. So I thought it would be quite cool with Valentine's coming, do you know what I mean? Talk about dating apps. So for those who don't know, a dating app is essentially an online dating application in an online dating service through a mobile phone application. Often taking advantage of smartphones, GPS location capabilities, always on hand presence and easy access to digital photo galleries and mobile wallets to enhance the traditional nature of online dating. So put simply, an app on your phone that enables you to connect with other people with views of romantic relationship, whether it be as casual as hell or super deep or anywhere in between. That's simply online dating. Now, there's so many different online dating apps. Bumble, Hinge, Tinder, shout out Melina Matchmaker, Black Owned One, um, Plenty of Fish, Match.com. So many different websites as well as apps as well out there. And people tend to use them um, depending on their demographic. For example, you get um, Christian Mingle. So that's probably, of course, more targets to Christians. Um, now, I had a quick poll on Twitter just to, and I asked three simple questions. Have you ever used your dating app? 56% of women said they had. 44% of women said they hadn't. This, of course, was different in men. 66% of men said they had compared to 34% they haven't. So I thought it was quite interesting. You could draw your own conclusions to that. Men tend to be more of the initiators in the dating sense. So it doesn't surprise me that they more of them are on the dating app to, you know, go out there and be more efficient maybe with the dating thing. But I find it quite interesting. Quite Whereas women are the kind of more iffy, and of course there's probably safety reasons for this. And maybe for some ladies, they may feel like it's a bit too forced to jump on a dating app. I don't know. Those are some of my hypotheses. Another question I asked, the second one, have you ever met up with somebody in person via a dating app? So have you ever taken time to leave your house or maybe they come to yours or vice versa, somebody to see them in the 3D, in the actual natural realm, the physical realm, where to play it? 54% of women said they had, 40, compared to 46% of women. And this was actually identical men. 54% of men said they had, compared to 46% that said they hadn't. So it was exactly identical. And the final question was, have you ever engaged in a serious relationship off the back of meeting somebody from dating application? Obviously, serious is dependent on one's interpretation. Now, again, we're seeing a mirror and the results from men and women who are polled in this app. 26% of women said they, hadn't, um, said they had gone into a serious relationship with somebody they've met online. So that's just over one in four, whereas three quarters said they had not. And 21%, so one in five men said, yeah, we've got something serious. So men seemingly are slightly less likely to get into a serious relationship with somebody they met online, but only by, by 4%. According to toptoll.com, there are over 1,500 dating websites as well as applications. 
So loads of different apps. And around 50% of US adults say they have they have used it or they continue to use it on a daily basis regarding dating apps. That shows how significant these apps are. Now, these apps can go under really two main business models. Yeah. There's the membership subscription versus freemium. And they're both pretty self-explanatory. So the membership subscription, this is the most traditional uh, model. So this is where users pay to use the app over a period of time. So maybe a 12 month membership, uh, six month or rolling monthly, whatever. And you pay a fee. Of course, the longer you're on the app, the, on average the amount you pay goes down. Maybe you know certain um, memberships, it might be let's say 120 pounds. It might be 12 pounds a month. No, 10 pounds a month. So that'd be 120 pounds for a year if you do it on a monthly basis. But if you pay up front, it might be 100 pounds where you save 20 pounds. So that type of thing. So these, of course, um, it's a lot harder to build a quick build your user base because obviously there is a paywall initially to use it. Whereas the freemium is a different model. You can sign up and use the basic app, use the app in its basic on its basic functionalities. The way people make money or businesses make money in in the freemium model is that they either make money via advertisement or they make money um via money advertisement as well as enhanced features. So for example, if there's if there's a dating app and has I, I it's probably good for me to bring an experience from one, but I don't know. So I'm assuming one of these apps has premium model. Do you know how have LinkedIn have LinkedIn premium? Do you know what I mean? Spotify premium, where you get more features. So we'll talk on that later. So some of the apps, so I'll just give some the listeners who may not be as privy, because me and you are both the same. This is just off my research. So Tinder, you hear the swipe right. I'm assuming this is when people like what you see. Um, there's 50 million worldwide users. And on Tinder, it's not just... You can't. You don't just have to look at somebody within a five mile radius. You can open it globally. I've heard of man them hitting a young Miami and putting on Tinder and that, which I find proper jokes. Um, Bumble. This is slightly different. Where women in charge and they have twenty four hours to make their first move on guys. And also, you can use filters to kind of if you have certain deal breakers, you can use filters so it will filter out people that will obviously have characteristics that are deal breaker to you. Hinge. Hinge just gives you gives you apparently more social media vibes. You can like or comment on people's pictures, videos, or whatever, and you decide to you and you can decide to match with people that have liked your stuff. Also shows, and there's also an algorithm that will show you who you may be most compatible with. And there is one where somebody told me about recently, and I find it quite interesting called the League. This is for like the elites allegedly, so people with like good professionals or their prof- good jobs or they're good professionals or they have a lot of money. Uh, on the league, once you match, you can use you can start video calling straight away. Whereas on maybe other dating services, you'll have to exchange numbers. If you're not comfortable with that, obviously you could just go straight to the video call that way. Um, it's authenticated with LinkedIn, so that gives you the extra added bit of security. And I heard that there's a big waiting list, so they even look on their website, they make it very clear they're very selective of the candidates that they accept onto their application. They kind of have that three main types of memberships. So there's members, you receive five prospects per daily batch. So on the app, they'll send you a daily batch for people who could be um, prospective to you. So you get five prospects per day on the, on the members thing. You get as many free dates per league live party, um, you can view red receipts if your matches read your messages and you can customize your bias to stand out. The next level is owner. You receive an extra prospect, so six per day. You get f- same free um, free dates per 
League Live Party. You get unlimited power moves. This is where it guarantees everyone you like sees you immediately. So, Raf, you like me, you'll see it straight away. And unlimited rematches to ensure you never have a misconnection. And then the investor package, even the names you could tell, owner, member, investor, is giving you Wolf for Wall Street vibes. Investor package, you receive seven prospects daily per batch. Same amount of um, dates, so as many as three dates per League Live party. You see everyone who likes you each day, refreshed in real time. You can match and chat with them with one click. You can send openers to any user in your daily batch, tell them they should match you back. So that's a quite unique one. I think I remember when Hinge was fresh on the block or fresh in circles and people were like, yo, Hinge is like the more elite Tinder. So we'll see how the league moves in these dating app streets. But that's, that's so stay safe out there anyway, people. Now, Obviously, we are in a pandemic and naturally you would believe that with people indoors, dating apps won't do as well because people can't go outside and meet people. Obviously, social distancing, you don't know who's got corona and all those things there. Well, quite the contrary. Despite the world enduring a global pandemic, dating apps have actually experienced an influx of new users. So even late last year, they were forecasting, it was looking like, there was going to be an 18.4% increase in terms of dating app users from 2019. And according to Apptopia, it's looking like 26.6 million users um, in 2020. And the top 20 dating apps in the USA gained 1.5 million daily active users. So an additional one and a half million people actively using dating apps during a pandemic. Very impressive. So if you look at Match Group, and they're the company who owns Tinder, Match.com, OkCupid, and Hinge, they said there was, a, there was a huge surge in usage amongst all demographic groups. So young, old, different races, different sexualities, people just wanted to meet up with more other people. The usage of younger and uh, younger users and females, they remained above pre-COVID levels. So they, before COVID, they were still above those levels. Like they were more eager to match people. Obviously young people, you have more free time, more things to do. You're bored and... I was quite surprised in, in, in the fact that um, female usage was still high. This is obviously on the contrary to older users and males. They actually, their usage of these apps actually declined in the pandemic, but they've now climbed and started to reach pre-pandemic levels. So I find that quite interesting. And apps such as Match.com and eHarmony actually adjusted their messaging. So they were pandemic friendly. So they were encouraging... Um, social distancing and, and kind of encouraging people to meet up digitally, you know, via Zoom and all those type of apps, that, all type of things there, obviously to make sure we are compliant in the pandemic. So it's very interesting that even though we're in a pandemic, dating apps were on the rise. And <laughs> I'm not too surprised when you think about it because now you're indoors, you have nothing else what to do but to think about the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever you're attracted to is absolutely crazy. I can't believe that the numbers went up. I thought people would be too scared to meet new people in the pandemic because of obvious health risks, but clearly not. And do you know what? I hear it. You can't come and kill yourself in a pandemic. Now, between September and October, according to data from from um, Aptolia, Aptolia, Aptopia, sorry, major dating apps grew considerably, as I said before. So in September, October, Match grew 21%, OkCupid grew 21%, Bumble grew 16%. Obviously, Tinder grew quite well and Hinge, but they're not they're not as much as those other apps. And Black Singles app, BLK, grew the most out of, out of, 
out of um, the sample with 23% month-on-month growth. So very, 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 very big growth. Matches for Sini foresee singles taking their dating app usage more seriously. Match has already seen a slower shift from hookup culture to more int- intentional dating. So maybe with the pandemic, people are being a bit more prospective, maybe wanting more company, and they're seeing a bit more cautious, or maybe just influxing users, you're getting more people who are more on that vibe. So I actually found that rather interesting. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens across 2021 if this industry continues to grow. Um, you'll see a lot more advertisement of like all these from these dating apps over the last few months. And I understand why business is booming and more power to them. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, don't forget men and matchmaker for maybe UK black singles. You might want to jump on that. This is not ad, but shout out them. And yeah, people stay safe when you're on these apps. Don't be catfishing people as well. I find that so crazy, random. Like, some of my friends have been catfished on dating apps. And I've seen some people claim they've been catfished, but boy, you just caught lacking on a dating app because, like, just just, just firm it. Just firm it. But yeah, less of that. I hope you enjoyed this week's short but sweet episode regarding the e-commerce of dating apps. Any questions, feel free. Hit me up on Dysonomics Pod on Insta or you can DM me on Twitter, underscore Nomics. Don't forget to subscribe to youtube 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 please let me get my subscribers up i'm get my subscribers up you get me remember by the time we listen to this new show on the youtube and of course don't forget patreon and until next week people peace and blessings sports social podcast network